0: We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. All right, so I have um, Angela Donnelly here with us today. And she is Oklahoma Family Network's autism coordinator. Um, I guess originally she was autism coordinator several years ago and has kind of transitioned her role in different ways, but Angela, why don't you share with us a little bit about how you became the autism coordinator and uh, maybe a little bit about what you do now.
1: So in the beginning, I, um, it was right around the time Jackson had gotten his diagnosis. It had been about a year um, and we were in a, a program called Early Foundations and my actual support parent worked at Early Foundations and her name was Jeannie Chambers. Um, And she thought that I would be good to become a support parent for OFN. And so she invited me to a support parent training and um, I was trained and became a support parent and just kind of stayed in the loop and it just kind of snowballed, I guess. And um, I just got more and more involved with Oklahoma Family Network and um, was supporting some different moms and started attending some of the stuff that OFN was doing as just a support parent and it kind of just developed into this job and I was the autism coordinator and then it just kept snowballing and I um, just kind of hit different pieces of OFN and was a central coordinator and now I'm working on some other things and um, just kept getting deeper and deeper into OFN. <laughs> I
0: love it. Well, tell us a little bit, you said it was, it's because of your son Jackson, is that right? So, right. Tell us a little bit about Jackson.
1: So Jackson is he's gosh he's 15 now um and he was and is still is an only child so he's kind of a stinky mess but um he was diagnosed with autism actually through the Sooner Start program um we lived in Edmond at the time and he was starting Mother's Day out a Mother's Day out program at church and so the director was amazing at the Mother's Day Out program, and she pulled me into her office one day, and she just wanted to tell me that, you know, she she had been this director at the Methodist Church for for forever at this Mother's Day Out program, and she just had some concerns with Jackson and wanted to know if we had noticed that, you know, he really wasn't interacting with the other kids and wasn't really talking much, and she was the one that actually suggested that we call Sooner Start and kind of get maybe some speech therapy started or something like that. Um, and so we, we contacted Sooner Start and had them come out and they did their, their evals and we started speech. And um, I still am friends with our speech path that he worked with through Sooner Start and she's a fantastic lady. Um, and she told me after a couple of sessions with him, she knew that he was gonna be on the spectrum um, after further testing. She just knew I wasn't ready to hear that yet. And so they just kept doing, you know, the amazing stuff that Sooner Start does. And they would go to his Mother's Day out and they came into our house. And um, finally we got to the time where they did the eval um, back when Sooner Start still did evaluations and diagnosis back in the day. Um, and he was on the autism spectrum. And so at that time there was a new program starting called Early Foundations and um, he was able to get into that program. He's one of the first kids that started there. It was, it's an ABA based uh, preschool program with the kids on the spectrum going at that time, five days a week. And then they had a play group that came in two days a week with typical peers. And so they ran it just like a mother's day out. So we had that typical peer interaction and he was there until he was eligible for pre-K. And then we switched over to public school where he's been ever since and so that was kind of our beginning journey into to that and he's just been in pre-k and admin and then just did really great and and half pre-k and half regular classes and and now he started his first year of high school this year wow (laughs) high school
0: high school I know
1: it's crazy I can't believe high school um
0: talk go back to those um you kind of talked about It was the preschool director, uh, the Mother's Day Out director that kind of introduced you to Sooner Start and then even initially mentioned, you know, getting some therapies and try to get some things started. And then it was, you said the speech therapist that said you weren't quite ready to hear uh, anything about the word autism. Tell us a little bit about when you did hear the word for the first time and um, maybe what that what that reaction was or, or you know, what, what were your first thoughts, I guess?
1: Um, I think my first thoughts was, no, it's not that. He's just not talking. Um, that's, that's the only problem. And we took him to our pediatrician and I mentioned that he was doing Sooner Start and getting speech and that they were thinking autism. And she was like, well, does he, you know, does he flip light switches on an awful lot? And I was like, no, no, he doesn't really mess with those. And she's like, oh, he's probably fine then. And so I was like, okay, great, we're good. It's just speech, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have a light switch fascination, so we should be okay. Um, so, um, and I, but I kept like, it kept coming back up in my head that what if it is and what I do? Um, and so I Google it, which is what I always tell parents never to do, don't Google it. <laughs> just kept reading more and more and thinking like okay well maybe it's this and maybe it's not that or maybe it's maybe it's gonna be Asperger's maybe it's not gonna be autism and maybe it's gonna be PDD and OS and not autism and it's all autism um it's all the same thing (laughs) um it doesn't matter what they call it so I just it took me a while to wrap my head around it I would I will admit that and then um which is kind of funny because my husband actually got there before me which after we kind of talked um to Cody Tony, if you've listened to his podcast or or not, like he said he was the one in denial and it was probably my husband got there faster than I got there. Um and he was like, Yes, let's get him in the school, let's do this, this, and this, and let's try this. And I was the one that was always kind of more hesitant to to do stuff. And um, which I guess we're weird like that, but <laughs> so but it just um we just kept reading about it and looking it up and Once we got into early foundations, I thought, well, it's not going to hurt. He's going to get speech still and all this other stuff. And, but once I got there, I was, it was almost like a switch kind of got flipped. It was, then I was like super autism mom. So it went from like, well, maybe not to like, okay, this is what it is and let's get going kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, so did you have someone that you looked to as far as like a a mentor or
1: was there somebody that walked with you kind of through those? early days yeah Jeannie Chambers who worked at Oklahoma family or who worked at early foundations was a support parent for Oklahoma family Network and she had a son that was that had was on the spectrum and was I think he's two two and a half years maybe older than Jackson um and so she was like yeah, I get it I know cold did this cold did that um, I know what you're what you're going through you know, let's try this and let's see what happens with this. And, you know, ask him about this or see this doctor or, um, she was great. She was really, really great. And I still talk to her today and I go back and forth with like, okay, seriously, you're going to have to help me through this puberty thing. Cause I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yeah, I know I've been there. It'll get better. I promise. Um, or would be like, is he ever going to stop, you know, being obsessed about this? Or, you know, she's like, yes, just, know, keep going, it'll, it'll get better. It might get worse before it gets better, but it'll get better. And um, so I still talk to her and she's, she's fantastic.
0: I love that. I love that the relationship has still uh, been maintained through all these years. So that's pretty impressive. So educate everyone on, when we talk about an autism spectrum, kind of, kind of walk us through what does that mean? So there is a spectrum, there's a spectrum of autism. What does that mean, and where does Jackson,
1: I guess, lie in this spectrum uh, when we talk about that? Yeah, um, the spectrum is pretty big. It can um, arrange, like, just range from kids who maybe have no language, um, maybe you know have tendency to self harm, or you know need like a lot, a lot of support with personal issue, personal um, skills, and things like that, to kids that maybe just are a bit quirky and you know that they don't really have that kind of social but they may just not have that great social interaction that a typical kid would do or maybe be able to read um your expression or follow a conversation um and say the politically correct thing or you know something like that they're just it is what it is like you have very ugly glasses on today and that's just like a fact to them you know like it's just <laughs> um so it can be just like the slightly quirky maybe need some social skill help to you know all the way with a nonverbal kid that might just need a ton of ton of support and just everything in between um it's a it's just a really big spectrum and Jackson I think would fall like in the middle to lower end of that like he's semi-verbal he can he's not conversational but he could tell you you know, what he, his wants and needs, um, if he wants something to eat, um, if he needs to go to the bathroom, things like that, um, still not great with my tummy hurts, my head hurts, like, he's not really good with that kind of thing, but he can sure as heck tell you that he wants banana sausage, so (laughs) (laughs) certain things are great, (laughs) um, so he's like that, and, um, so he, I would call him semi-verbal, but he's not conversational, um, but he still does need some support. He's 15. He still doesn't get that he needs to look both ways before he crosses the street, um, but then the kid can find whatever video and he wants on YouTube and know that if he goes to this certain page and goes down the sidebar four videos down, clicks that, then goes to that sidebar and goes two videos down, he gets to the you know, backyard against video that he wants to watch. And I have no idea, like he can do amazing things with that, but he doesn't know how to look both ways before he crosses the street. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny how how our kids on the spectrum work and what they get and what they don't get and how incredibly smart they are, but then how incredibly bad they test that says that they have all these deficits, but then he can do all these amazing things that I have no idea how he can do. <laughs>
0: half the things I don't know how to do, <laughs> so,
1: so <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's, I mean, it is impressive. It is impressive how the mind works, and, um, and so I, yeah, he, he's always impressed me with, with some of his skills and, and things that he can pull out. Um, so tell us a little bit about walking through the IEP process. I know y'all did public school for, um, for many years, and so can you walk us through maybe what an IEP would look like for Jackson?
1: For him, it always looked like um, when he was when he was very when he was smaller. Um, we were really big on the inclusion piece. I mean, we still are big on inclusion, but in in the educational setting, um, getting in that classroom with his typical peers, doing what they're doing, understanding those social skills, those cues, how to hang up your backpack, how to sit in circle time, um, you know, things like that. And he did really well until about. Um, I would say probably third grade was his big switch flip like he could keep up with kids academically and socially until about third grade and then when they started doing the testing in schools and you know the harder um more intense maths and you know things like that um he just wasn't getting that and he probably won't ever get that um so his a lot of his inclusion in school kind of flip flopped from maybe eighty percent in the typical classroom to eighty percent in the special education classroom, um, which was hard. That was another hard hard adjustment to make because he'd been able to be included all this time, um, and he he has a really bad verbal stemming. Like he'll if he doesn't really get what's happening, or like if the work's too hard, and he'll just kind of zone out and start just out loud reciting an entire Mickey Mouse Clubhouse episode. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and not, so not him not understanding how to maybe just be quiet and be there, but not participate, um, kept him out of the regular education setting sometimes too, because he just would start talking. And obviously that's an interruption and um, it just wasn't working out for him or the other kids. So it was better for him to be in the other classroom, but that, you know, was another hard transition to make, um, probably more for me than him, because he didn't really care. It was whatever to him, his school was school. So, but I didn't like seeing him having, going from being in all these regular classes to mostly in the secluded classroom. So that was kind of crappy, but um, we, you know, we worked around it, we worked through it, we got back some of the other stuff and, So his IEP always included more more education time, and we included different things to work on those social skills with buddies and classroom jobs and getting them out of the classroom and, you know, things that would help independence, um, taking attendances to the office, things like that. When he was in middle school, the IEP changed some of the, we changed it to kind of work more on just more independent skills, money math, things like that. he did um, special, like the specials that he was included in. We did double. Um, what do they call it now? It was Eck. What do they call it? Oh, um, uh, facts. fax. Uh family yeah. And science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did double that instead of you know. So he we doubled up on that each semester. So we had that four times, um, just because it worked on his independent skills and working with a group of kids and doing different things and so we did facts a lot and then they have the thing at his middle school his teachers at middle school were really really great with um finding different ways that the kids could become part of the school so they would all have school jobs they would all have different things where they would do they had a coffee cart that they would take around to the teachers they would go around and collect um different teachers water bottles fill them with ice and water and deliver them back to the teachers um i forget what they called it now but there was like there was little clubs that would meet every day. Tiger time. They call it tiger time. (laughs) Yeah, Tiger time. Um, So they would have their tiger time and it's like all these little clubs. And so Jackson would do like the perler bead club, or there was one club that was like all about coloring. So he would go to the coloring club one day and there was all these different clubs that all the kids would have during tiger time. And it had nothing to do with disability. It was whatever that kid's interest was. So there was I mean, every, that school had everything from, like, a Harry Potter club to, like, a um, soccer club or, you know, like, anything that they could think of. Any kid could make whatever kind of club they wanted to, um, so that the teachers would find out what the clubs were and where they thought the kids would fit best, and um, I had no idea what perler beads were until he started bringing home all these little creature things that were made out of the beads, I guess, that you, like, put on this thing and then you iron them and they turn into, like, a parrot or something weird um so <laughs> never was thought to do that but um he went to that club and he liked it so they were really great about thinking outside the box on different things for um inclusion pieces and stuff like that or if he needed something for fax class and um, it was more than likely the other kids did too so they would have a whole classroom field trip to Walmart or Hobby Lobby where they would buy their supplies for the project they had coming up in fax and they'd practice their money and checking out and all that kind of stuff um which his elementary school teacher had started doing some of that which I thought was fantastic because they don't normally start that in elementary school um but they'd go out they would go um to downtown Edmond and eat breakfast at one of the um restaurants down there and then he'd make the kids all order and um, things like that. So they started that in elementary, which I thought was great, and they continued it during during middle school. Um, so we'd have just different different things to develop him and his independence. We would put more into his, his IEP, and I'm sure the teachers didn't really want to hear it, but I just would say, like, I don't care about the academics. He's not going to go to college on this great STEM scholarship or something like he needs to know like how to interact with people, how to sometimes do things that we don't want to do and we have to do them anyways. Um, Money math, so maybe he could have a job doing something someday. Um, Those were those were my big skills of focus and I get that they have to put in academics and that's what they do and whatever but as much as we could and put different goals and ideas in his IEP that would work on independence, life skills, um, things like that. Um, that was more of my, my focus that I would kept trying to stick in his IEP. Nice. No, I, I love that. I
0: love the, the, the whole, um, all those skills that we need, you know, just for everyday life. So, so speaking about independence and, and things like that, Could he stay by himself or is he that independent? Why don't you address some of those kind of things?
1: I don't know. I think it's, I think it could go either way right now. Like right now, I don't think I'd probably leave him home by himself. Um, but it might be something we start working on, like just leaving him here in the house while we walk down around the corner to get our mail and then come home, you know, something like that. Um, he doesn't, he knows his phone number. He's never been home precisely alone, but we've had, he has babysitters and stuff that we've used before, um, and he's pretty self-sufficient, like, I don't know that he wouldn't go outside and try to look for us if we totally weren't there, um, I mean, he hasn't if he's had a babysitter, but, um, like, he can get his own food, I don't, he doesn't use the microwave or anything, but, like, he can, if he wants crackers or, you know, whatever, like, a drink, he can, take care of all that himself um he knows when his iPad runs low he has to keep his charger with him and he just walks around the house plugging it in and <laughs> continuing to play like he knows most of those things um but I don't know that he would be fully capable of safe it would be safety issues I safety think issues. That I would be worried about yeah like him want like wandering trying to find something or um just leaving a door open or leaving a sink on and flooding the house or, you know, something like that, that I don't necessarily trust him about, but uh, it's definitely something that I would like to work towards, because I think even if we one day had a house where he just had like his own garage apartment or, you know, like something, if he had to be close, that he would have his own space in his own area to do what he wanted to do when he needed to do it. And you know, he was still kind of with us, but on his own, and and could live his his own life. You know, like I don't want to always have to just go to his bedroom and be like, "So, what are you doing now?" You know, and he's in that stinky teenager phase, where he doesn't want anything to do with anybody, <laughs> uh, which apparently doesn't just happen to regular kids. I was gonna say that's not just a typical thing, <laughs> or. or... Or a child with autism, huh? So right they call this he,
0: teenage stuff.
1: I used to be like, "Oh, let's go to the zoo and let's go to Target and let's go out to eat." And now I'm like, "Hey, buddy, you want to go to the zoo and see the animals? No, thank you. I'm like, do you want to go to Target? No, thank you. Like, <laughs> you just want to come sit on the couch? No, thank you. And he just stays in his room. I'm like, okay, good talk. Thanks. Very, he's very
0: polite about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well you mentioned a while ago as the word stimming in and so like um you kind of gave that example of if he's if he's overwhelmed or something is challenging for him he might start quoting a Mickey Mouse episode or something like that so tell us a little bit more about the stimming
1: that he does and then maybe just stimming as part of the autism world I think in general look, when when people hear that word who maybe know, have a kid on the autism spectrum, the most common thing they they might think of is um, like hand flapping. Um, kids on the spectrum tend to do the the hand flapping or the toe walking, things like that. Um, Jackson's, Jackson tends to, to switch his stems up. It's really weird. Like he always has the verbal stems where he'll just kind of go off in his own head and recite a Mickey Mouse Clubhouse episode, like, and he can recite the whole thing from beginning to end, like, everyone's part, it's crazy, um, or he has one where he'll, um, like, flick his fingers, and it's, like, I can't even do it, I don't know how he does it, it's weird, um, some kids may, you know, blink a lot, some kids just flap their hands, some kids, um, might just repeat the same word over and over it could it could kids come up with all kinds of different ones um but it's just like repetitive kind of repetitive behavior that brings them comfort or it might be mindless um kind of like when if you're in a really boring meeting and your foot just starts you know like you move your foot up and down like really fast and kind of tap your leg um I guess technically that could be considered a stem for us (laughs) Um, it's just like a random kind of movement that doesn't really mean much of anything and you do it all the time unconsciously so kind of something like that and and just it just tends to be a trait of many kids on the spectrum they kind of do it
0: yeah i was going to say i've heard i've heard of even kids just like lining chairs up or you know yeah. or maybe just
1: putting things in certain orders or you know something like that so yeah, he used to line everything up and not not he's kind of grown out of it but every once in a while you'll walk around the corner and they'll just be like this line of safari animals like going down the hall and you're like where did that come from but okay so high school what does high school look like for him um it looks a bit different because he's in a different school this year because we switched to to a a private school rather than public school so it looks a little bit different and it's mostly life skill based mostly um it's a more kind of therapeutic. So it's kind of, um, it's not ABA-based, but it's more, I guess, I want to say child-led, but he's not really a child. Um, Teen-led, is that a thing? (laughs) Teen-led? Sure. They they work on like his interests, different things like that. Like he's um, joining a robotics club where it's a STEM grant that um, a neighboring school got. And it has to be the team is half of kids on that from that school and then half kids from our school, so half typical, half kids with disabilities. Um, and they build the robot together and they go to different competitions. And so he's starting to work on robotics club, and um, they work a lot on life skills, different ways that the kids can be independent, do things on their own. Um, they're still academic, so they're still working on reading at whatever level the kids on basic math, money, math, different things like that, Um, ways that they can be in the community and things like that, which was just a really good step for for Jackson, because that's what that's where we kind of see his life going, he's not going to go um, necessarily to a four-year four-year college or you know something like that. So, but we want him to be integrated in the community and, you know, maybe have a job, even if it's if it's a paid job, great. If it's a volunteer starts out of as a volunteer job that maybe works into some kind of paid job, great. But you know, something, because I think he would, at this point would be perfectly happy to sit in his room and play on his iPad all day every day. So
0: as every 15 year old would for sure. <laughs> so um, so yeah, well, I mean, so yeah, take, take us to his future. What, what do you see for his future?
1: Um, well, hopefully we can find something that, that, um, even if he doesn't have a super passion for it, that he finds interesting and that he enjoys. Um, I used to think that might be a job at the zoo because he likes animals, um, and he liked doing, um, stuff with food. So I thought, okay, well, maybe he could do you know, prepare food for the animals at the zoo and work in a kitchen there or something because then if he picked his nose, it wouldn't be as bad as if he was doing that at Chili's. So (laughs) um maybe he could do something like that, but he's been so like anti-animal lately that I mean maybe he'll come back around to that. But um so I don't know, but I want I see him doing something. Like he has some kind of work, whether it's every day, three days a week, you know, every day for half a day, something that He enjoys going to, he enjoys doing, he feels valued and he's doing something, you know, important and worth his time and, and supported. However, we need to support him to do that. But I would like for him to do something like that. And then maybe something, some kind of independent living situation, whether that's, you know, we move when we find a house that maybe has two master suites and he has his own little area or Um, that has maybe a place where he could have a garage apartment and, you know, something where he has his own, his own space and he can take care of and do what he would like to do in his own area, I guess. Does that makes sense?
0: It it absolutely makes sense. And (laughs) I am, I, you know, I'd like to kind of go back to saying that your dream for him is like every other mother's dream, you know? I mean, it's, I guess, the world of autism shouldn't take away any of those dreams for any of us that we have for our own children, or you know, or or want for our kids. And so I, yeah. I love that. that obviously, yeah. we want him to have successful and things that he wants to do, and and so yeah, I I love that you were able to voice that.
1: I think it'll definitely look a bit different than an original dream, and I think that it took a while to let go of that original dream and change it and form it into a new dream and a new vision for him and what his life would be like and what our lives would be like um but I think once you have that you can I think it's it's hard in the beginning and you have to grieve that I you know I think that's a process that you have to kind of go through and grieve that life that you thought you were going to have. And um, it's one of my favorite quotes and I can't even think of how it goes, but like, let go of the life that you thought you had and join the life that you're going to have, or that you envision or something. Um, if I like that quote, you think I could remember exactly what it said, but <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a summary. It's a great summary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that Letting go of the life you thought you had planned and going forth and kind of recreate those dreams and that vision for yourself and for your child. And, um, that it can be a short process or a long process but then once you have that new vision and it's a dream just like every other parent has like you said and i think that's that's important especially for those parents that are just going through that diagnosis process that it's not it's it is a it's a hard process and you do have to grieve it and you do have to wrap your head around new new things and they're that doesn't mean they're not going to be just as great and just as exciting and maybe even better but they're just going to be different Um, and different can be, can be great too. So, um, I just think, I think that's really, really important for new parents to, to kind of get that it's going to be different, but different can be even better than you planned. I was going to
0: say that, that, that's, that's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Very well said. 30 Um, minutes to get there. (laughs) It's great. It's perfect.
0: (laughs) Um, so, so as far as, um, Jackson, you, you mentioned he he has babysitters or you know people that come in and sit with him and structure that word a little better, but someone that comes in and, and assists him and maybe just kind of supervises, make sure he is safe. Uh, as far as vacations and stuff like that, is that something that you guys do as a family? Do you, do you do you and your husband are y'all able to get away?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely important that you have some kind of support system that that you can and so you can still focus on yourself and you have self-care and you have, you know, marriage care. And um, you, you still have that time to be um, a mom but then a time to be a husband and wife and then a time to just be who you wanna be. Um, so we have the only time we've left him overnight with a couple people um, that were that were fantastic. And normally we leave them overnight with our parents. Um, which obviously we're gonna to have to start building that system back up, because <laughs> you know our parents are getting older and it's harder. He's he's easier now, but it's it's harder to um to care for them as they get older too. So um, he's got some some. I always call them babysitters, but you're totally right. They're not they're not babysitters. Like buddies. I don't know. <laughs> no, um, I, was not I was not trying to be. No, I, I struggle with that because I always I call them babysitters all the time and I always think like eh, there's got to be like another word for that but we had a nanny for a while and I was working more and it was just like okay well she was basically like a chauffeur she just transferred in places when I couldn't but uh make sure he didn't jump out the car or something weird but uh, so he's got some buddies that we would leave him with that were great and um, some were Uh, paras from the school. Um, Some were the kids of paras that grew up. Um, We had a pair that watched him a few summers in a row, and she would bring her own kids. And one of them was two, a girl was two years old in the Jackson, and she ended up being a great support for him because when I was, when I would be working after school hours, she could pick them up and take them home for me. Um, And then just different people that I've met, like old, therapist that maybe um went back to school so we had a therapist that he worked with the early foundations that when decided to go back and finish her degree in college but she still had time after school so she would pick him up and take him from school to therapy for me and then take him home and it was um it was great and so we've just kind of made those small connections here and there but then they so if, if you're looking for someone I always say ask ask the parents, sometimes they'll, you know, do summer care. Um, College students, we would have a lot of the college students that we would just put advertisements out at UCO, and, you know, they would babysit a lot when he was littler, Um, and it was great. Um, Therapist kids are great. Most of them have um, kids and stuff that are always willing to earn money. There was a girl in our neighborhood that would just, for short amounts of time, I would feel comfortable. her. She would just come over and hang out and just, you know, make sure he didn't die, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, she was in high school and he was in middle school. And I mean, he basically just hung out in his room half the time anyway. Um, sometimes he would come out and watch TV with her, but she was just a buddy and she would come over and hang out. And while well, I ran to Target or, you know, something like that. And it was just an hour or two, but she would just hang out and he would hang out and they would watch TV. And it was, I mean, it worked out great. So But I think it's definitely important to have people like that, that you keep asking about and keep finding time for, um, because you do need that self-care. You can't help your family if you can't, you know, have time for yourself too. Um, So I'm a big, big proponent of self-care and filling your own cup because you can't fill others if yours is empty all the time. Um, And it it takes a while to get used to that because I think a lot of times as moms too, we're always putting our families first, whether you have a kid with a disability or not. Um, and we always have the time feel, feel bad for taking that time away from our family for ourselves. So I think it's really important that, that we do that and that we have our time because you can't, you can't fill someone else's cup if yours is empty.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's really good. Um, as far as the autism world, uh, is there something that you uh, maybe just want to highlight or bring awareness to, or is there something that you, as you just kind of reflect upon the last 15 years um, of understanding that you didn't know he had it, and then you thought he might have it, and then noticed something different, and is there something there that you just want to say, hey, this, this, is, this is my life, or this is what I want to bring awareness to? Yeah. Um.
1: I think there's there's a lot more out there now than there for parents who are just getting kids diagnosed now than there was um, when Jackson was getting it, and I think there's a lot there's more different ways that people are being supported now than there was back then too. Like we still obviously had had we had Facebook, but there's still like there's so many online supports now, especially within the last year too. Um, go. I mean, even if you don't ask questions, join the group, stalk people, you know, just read the stuff. You may find that you have more in common than you think. Um, don't feel bad if you, if it takes you a while to wrap your head around it, you know, give yourself some grace, um, that it is hard and that it does suck sometimes and it still sucks sometimes. Um, I think it sucks at different periods and you'll, you'll just, you'll be great for a while, then you'll be like, oh, it'll just hit you every now and then. But um, I think that could happen with anything. But I think, um, you know, looking back, I think we've come a lot farther than when we first got a diagnosis, I would have thought where we would be is a lot farther than I would have thought. And a lot farther than some therapists ever told us that we would get. Um, So, you know, trust yourself and trust your kid. And, you know, if someone tells you that you can't do it, you don't have to listen to that you can do what you want to do Um, take it as a challenge yeah just keep going and um, your kids capable of a lot more than sometimes you think they are um, and that can be good or bad I guess sometimes depending on what they're getting into but um, just you know give yourself some great search out what you want um, I think one of the best things that I wasn't a true support group person um, we, we tried a couple, and I, I'm not bashing them at all, and I think they're great, um, but I loved the fact, and one of the things that I loved most about OFN was I could get a one-on-one, um, just a mentor that would just walk with me, and I could just talk to, and I didn't always feel comfortable just going into a, a support group and just, you know, talking, so um, I love that OFN has the support parent program, And, um, I loved that I was able to give back too and support people, you know, kind of like I was supported and just, I think I'm rambling. Did I answer your question? (laughs) You did great. You did great. So, (laughs) Angela, I just
0: want to thank you for coming and sharing a little bit about Jackson and um, just bringing more awareness to autism and, uh, and what that looks like in the life of a of a family, you know, and so I thank you for being here and sharing us, sharing with us. And um, I, I miss you because you are. I mean, clearly, I've missed everyone this last year with COVID, but, um, but I definitely miss since you have kind of moved out of the Oklahoma area. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's always good to connect, even if it's via Zoom. So
1: it's just good to see people's faces. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure. So, all right. Well, thank you again for being here. And, um, and I'm sure we will be in touch as Jackson continues through, uh, puberty and you'll be t- teaching us a lot more about autism and, and, sure. and, and <laughs> as in that transition. So absolutely. So, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Angela. Thank you for listening to this episode of we saved you a seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.